Take your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians 2. Great song, simple thought, but a powerful thought. How much he loves us. Ephesians 2. Last week, I also preached from Ephesians 2, a little bit further down, verse 22, and was talking to you about making comparisons between the upcoming proposed building program and then our own building program about taking care of what's going on in our own house that the Bible refers to as a spiritual house, the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to continue with that today, perhaps on a um, less sophisticated note, from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and then next week we'll deal with it from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 and continue the thought of God building his church and specifically about what that means for us as individuals. I, part of the sermon title last week was What is God Up To? Which is really an important question. Whether you're young or you're old, hang on a sec, young lady, could you ask my grandson just to be a little quieter? <laughs> Thank you very much. Bit of a distraction. Last week I mentioned to you about, you know, asking the question, what is God up to? And regardless whether you're older or younger, we are interested in what is God up to. What the church leadership is going to present to you in, in you know, a few weeks' time is, um, a big picture of what we think God is up to in our church as it relates to the building and why the building needs to be changed in order to do ministry better and more effectively over the next 10 to 15 years, recognizing that things, of course, have changed in society and things have changed in, in how we do church. But you're also interested in, well, well, what's God up to in me, apart from maybe that bigger picture? Um, what's God up to in my life? just as an individual, going to work, going to school, married, in a relationship of some kind, raising noisy kids, whatever that might be. You know, what, what's God up to? And of course, there is a blending of all of that. We don't want to compartmentalize everything. Uh, as a member of this church, we're concerned about what God is doing in and through the church. We're concerned about what God is doing in my life. We're concerned about what is God doing at home. Is God doing anything through me at work? We're, we're we're caring about all of that kind of stuff. We don't want to say one is necessarily more important than the other, and we're asking the question, what is God up to? What if I told you that God has a plan? That wouldn't surprise you, right? That God has a plan, and that God has always had a plan for Christ's followers. And the specifics of the plan are in some relation up to to you. You will work out with God how his overarching will works out in your life. So some of the details and some of the way things are influenced as a Christ follower is up to you. But it's important for you to know that your life, your walk with God needs to fit into the overall plan of God. And that's what I want to talk on today. Uh, the big idea is what's God's purpose for your life? And the Bible does tell us that. Again, not the itty-bitty details, even though some of those itty-bitty details are important, but the overarching plan, God has revealed that to us. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I read it to you last week, it just wasn't the text. For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm going to read that in some other English translations of the Bible in a few minutes, but let me read it for you once again under the the newest version of the NIV. Verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's a contrast that happens here in Ephesians chapter 2. In this letter, it's the Apostle Paul that is writing, and he's writing to a church in a town called Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, on the extreme west coast of Turkey. And he's writing this letter to this group of disciples, this church, and in the first part of the chapter, in fact, for for the most significant part of this chapter, uh, at least up to chapter, uh, pardon me, up to verse 10, The Apostle Paul is reminding us that we are not saved by our good works. He begins in verse 1, basically stating our position before we became Christ followers, before we confessed Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, saying things like this, that we're following the prince of darkness, whether we know it or not, that we're dead in trespasses and sins, whether you admit that or not, That's our spiritual condition before we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then there's some transition verses where he talks to us us about how we come out of that darkness to a point where we are saved, saved from the wrath of God, saved from judgment, saved from an eternity lost and without Jesus Christ. And he talks about how we are made right, and he says we are made right with God through faith. That from all the way back in Abraham's day, that, that we are justified by faith, that we are made right in God's eyes by faith because of the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Because Jesus suffered and bled and died for our sins and was raised from the dead, those of us who believe in all of that are justified by faith. And it's God's grace that makes all of that possible. It's it's open to everybody. Whoever should believe can be saved. And so he talks about that. We're dead, we're lost in trespasses and sins. We're following the devil whether we recognize it or not. But we are now made alive in God, made alive in Christ because of faith. And then at the end of that, he tells us, now remember, you're justified by faith, not of works. And the reason why he talks about the works is because there's this, there's this history that follows people of faith, whether it goes back to Moses and the Jewish people, but there's always this attempt by people who want to justify themselves for God, prove that they're okay with God, is that we want to do works. We want to show God that we believe. We want to show God that we can work our own way to heaven by doing something. So for the Jews, it was the Mosaic Law. They tried to keep the Mosaic Law as best as they possibly could. So they were doing all of the things that the Mosaic Law required and some things even that it didn't require, and then saying to God, look, Look what a good boy I am. Look what a good girl I am. I'm doing all of the things that Moses told us to do. And because I'm doing all of the things, you have to admit me into heaven. You have to say that I'm a child of God. I have to be one of yours because I've done all kinds of good things. 
Well, some of that was slipping into the church where some people in the church thought that, well, you know what, I am justified or declared righteous or made right in God's eyes by my good works. And even today in the church in the 21st century in, in North America, we still have people trying to prove to God that they are righteous by their own works, by doing stuff. And so we're working our way to heaven. And Paul is saying in chapter 2 that you don't work your way to heaven. That the only way to be made alive in, in Christ is not through good works. Doing good works isn't going to make you spiritually alive. But the only way you can be made alive is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the new birth happens and now you're made alive in Christ. So it's important for us to understand here. If you're here today, you're, you're here in church, but you're not a Christ follower, the Bible doesn't look at you as someone that can work their way to heaven by doing some things. And maybe one of those things is just coming to church. The Bible says it's impossible for those that are spiritually dead to make themselves spiritually alive by good works. Do you understand that? That's important. You cannot make yourself spiritually alive by doing good works regardless of how good the works are, that we, through grace, by faith, we are justified or made righteous in the eyes of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, after saying all of that, he gets to verse 10, and then he says this, and let me summarize it. But people who have been justified by faith do good works. You are not justified by your good works, but people who are justified by faith, who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, do good works. And the church said? Amen. Amen, right? We understand that. So again, let's dig into the text. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, the Bible says. This isn't from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that nobody can boast. So nobody can say to God, hey, look what I've done. Look how I made a way for myself to heaven because I'm such a well-behaved person. Salvation, meaning this, being saved from the wrath of God because of sin is a gift from God not a reward or payment for services rendered. Or in other words, for our good works. I've done good things for God, so God owes me something. That's not how it works. Salvation is a gift from God, not a reward or payment for services rendered. Look what Titus chapter 3, verses 5 to 7 says. This time I'm reading from the King James Version. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This time, the writer is Titus. Uh, pardon me, the receiver of the letter is Titus. Paul is writing to him and reminding him again about justification, you know, by grace through faith. So we don't work to be saved, but we do work. For what purpose? What is God up to? So let's look at some of the versions here of Ephesians chapter 2. In the voice that says this, For we are a product of his hand, Heaven's poetry etched on our lives, created in the anointed Jesus, 
to accomplish the good works that God arranged long ago. In the King James, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In the New English translation, it says, For we are his workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so that we may do them. The different English translations word it slightly differently. They, some of the modern versions have a, a, perhaps a little more simple way of, of putting it. But the gist is this, that God has created us for the purpose of doing the good works which beforehand he prepared for us to do. Now, you might say this, well, of course God created us. We realize that God created everybody. I mean, and, and you know, that's, if you believe in God, you, you believe in that, that God is the creator of everybody and everything. But that's not what he's saying here. He's not talking about physical birth. He's not talking about physical creation here. He's talking about spiritual birth, or more importantly, he's talking about spiritual rebirth. And so when he's talking about being God's handiwork or his workmanship or his craftsmanship, he's not talking about when you were formed in the womb. He's not doing the Psalm 139 thing. That's not the emphasis here. Remember, back in Ephesians chapter 2, in the beginning of this, we're dead in trespasses and sins. We need to be made spiritually alive. And the way we are made spiritually alive is through believing in Lord Jesus Christ. And that's made possible by grace through faith. And so what he's talking about here is not physical birth, but he's talking about spiritual rebirth. And so when he talks about God's handiwork, he's not talking about looking at you as the physical being and saying, look what a great job I did. Now, some of you might just hold a mirror up and you, you know, you got that app on your phone? You got the app on the phone? You got the mirror app on the phone? No? Well, there's an app for everything, as they say. And I'm not asking you to turn that app on and look and, and, and go, nice. <laughs> He's not talking about the physical here. He's talking about the spiritual being born again and so the handiwork relates to your salvation not to your creation now i'm not saying you're not god's handiwork physically i'm not saying that don't be offended but that's not the emphasis here we're god's handiwork the the greek word for this is is poema it's it's a beautiful word and and some people derive from that the word poem or poetry if you're going to be honest, moving from the Greek language to the English language, he's, he's not saying you're God's poetry. He's sorry. He's not saying you're God's poem. It's, it's a Greek word that's been translated that way because it looks similar. It's not really, that's not really the emphasis there. But some of the English versions use it. The emphasis really is that you're God's handiwork, that you're God's craftsmanship, that you're God's workmanship. So poem or poetry is nice, it's flowery, it sounds good. Some translations use it, but it, but it may not be strict, may not be a great strict translation of the word. I think we should stick with handiwork or workmanship or craftsmanship. It means this, it, it speaks of that which has been made, it speaks about a work, and particularly here it speaks of the work of God in our lives 
again, physically as creator of all things, but specifically here as it relates to our spiritual life. Now, so let's just talk about that. You are God's handiwork, his workmanship, his craftsmanship, especially it relates to you being born again by the Spirit of God. In the Greek, if you were to read this literally, it would read like this. And for those of you that like Star Wars and like Yoda, the way he always, you know, reverses everything, it really should be read this way. His workmanship we are. And the emphasis here is on the his, the pronoun his, meaning God, of course. It is saying this, we are his workmanship. And there's an emphasis on the his, reminding you and me that it's God. It's God that has created us through the, the spiritual birth or the spiritual rebirth. So his workmanship we are. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 17, and chapter 2, verse 7, it speaks about the physical creation of Adam. And Adam, of course, in Hebrew means, uh, means man, right? Adam. So he, he, he creates Adam. And from Adam, he creates Eve. We know that he created the earth. And what the Bible says are those six days. So he is the creator of everything, of all things, but as he's speaking to the Ephesians church and talking about their God's goals for them now that they are born again by the Spirit of God, he says this, His workmanship are we, with the emphasis upon the divine origin of the redemption, not the creation, but of the redemption that we now enjoy. So everybody on the planet that's ever been has, of course, their origin in God through their parents. But specifically here, he is talking about God's creative act in our spiritual rebirth and as it relates to the redemption that we now enjoy. What we are now is due entirely to his grace. So Paul reminds us here that it leaves no room for pride or any kind of boasting on our part. There's no such thing in a believer as a self-made man or a self-made woman. Inevitably, those who are self-made are badly made. There's some kind of jerry-rigged system showing overconfidence and pride in their own selves. They have great self-esteem, but their self-esteem is based in what they've done or what they can do. But when we come to Christ as a sinner and we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins and he does that and we are declared righteous through faith, God recasts us in his new image. We are no longer intent on steering our vessels for ourselves, but now we are willing to do what God's good pleasure is, even at the expense of our own wills. Because the Bible tells us here clearly that God has good works for you and for me as Christ followers that he prepared in advance for us to do. And I'll explain that in a minute. As the Apostle Paul said to the church of Corinth, we are no longer our own, we are bought at a price. So, what's he saying here? You are God's handiwork. That's important to know. But you are God's handiwork, keep reading, created where? 
created in Christ Jesus. So when you and I confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, this is what happened. You don't see it physically. You don't necessarily even feel it. But when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not only are you forgiven, not only are you declared righteous, but the Bible tells us you are immediately placed in Christ and that you abide in Him. Not that you are placed in a church, but that you are placed in Christ. In fact, it is in Christ where all believers are formed. And so you and I have this wonderful union with Jesus Christ the moment we confess faith. We are now in Him, in Christ Jesus. And all of the promises of God come to us, not because we're good people, not because we're Pentecostal, not because we go to Essex Gospel Community Church, but the blessings come to us because of our position. And our position is in Christ Jesus. And so because you and I are in Christ Jesus, the promises of God are yea and amen to all of us. Because we're in Christ Jesus, we are seated in heavenly places. Because we are in Christ Jesus. And so we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Now I asked some of you, I sent out an email, Lauren sent out an email about bringing in some of your, you know, kind of your handcrafted items. And some of you've done that. There's some figurines and there's some blankets. There's a domino game over here. There's some stuff that you made for your kids or some of the stuff even some of the kids made. Whatever it is, small or large, right? It is your handiwork. You did it. And it's beautiful and it's lovely. And when we when we show some of these things off, whether it's here at the front of the church or it's hanging somewhere in our home or it's, it's on a shelving unit or it's in a cabinet or it's, it's strewn across the, the corner of a bed, we are very proud of that. It is our handiwork. In fact, if our stuff is pretty good, if we think it's pretty good, we'll even make sure that we show it off a little bit. Look, look what I done. Because we put love and sweat and effort into it and you know what? It looks pretty darn good. When it comes to those of us that are now following Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we are His handiwork created in Christ Jesus. And God looks at us now in Christ and He says the same thing. You guys look pretty good. God does great work. You do great work. God does greater work. And in Jesus Christ, we are born again by the Spirit of God, and we are His handiwork. He is forming us now into doing the good works that He has called us to do. So we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So let me talk about this in two parts. What's God up to? God saved you to do good works. And those good works were thought about long ago. And so now it's up to you and I as the handiwork of God because God has formed us and fashioned us. And of course, the potter can say to the clay what he wants of it. And God says to us now as Christ followers, you and I have the responsibility to do the, God, the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. You weren't saved just to go to heaven. You weren't saved just to have a trouble-free life. You have to understand now, as a Christ follower, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is now directing our lives, and he is calling us to obedience 
to do the good works in which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So the first question, the simple question is simply this, are you? Are you doing the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do? Are you about God's business? God's business isn't simply just being saved and coming to church and waiting for heaven to be revealed. But there are all kinds of things that we as Christ followers should be doing now. Now, the, the part about this that I shared with you earlier is that we have a say in this. We could say, well, pastor, well, what are God's good works? And my thought would be simply to especially look through your New Testament and, and be obedient to all of the things that God has asked us to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? Uh, live out the first and the second commandment to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, to, to give a cup of cold water in his name. You know, to pray that those that are sick may be healed. To visit those who are in prison. To encourage those who are downcast. Uh, to support the cause of the fatherless and the widow. To make sure that God's justice shines. That the righteousness of Jesus Christ is lived out, not just in this building, but in the community as a whole, in the world as a whole. All of those things are God's good works. And there's probably other things that I have left off. The interesting thing about this is God's handiwork is that God will speak to each of us individually and tell us how we're supposed to live that out. What is it specifically that God is calling us to do? Whether we're 8 years old or 18 years old or 38 years old or 58 years old or 78 years old, that God is calling us uniquely to live all of that out. That we have a purpose Many times when we're young men and women, we, we, we're doing the, the school thing and we're looking at the job and we think to ourselves, well, my purpose in life is to do this job for the next 30 years. How many of you are happy about that? Not all of us. Some of us love our jobs, love to get up in the morning and go to them. Others, it pays the bills, right? Some of us think, well, my job is to be a, a mom or a dad, and we're, we're raising kids, and that's great. But, but is, that, is that it? You know, well, I'm, my purpose is to be married and to make my spouse happy for the rest of his or her life. How you doing, Chris? Doing that? I'm, I'm always struck by some of these phrases, you know, where, you know, in the movies, you complete me. You're my soulmate. You know, you make me happy. I live for you. And knowing that the condition of people's hearts, I would say that every time you put your, your life in the hands of somebody else to give you purpose and meaning and happiness and joy, that's a precarious place to be. You know, we all start off in marriages for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness, and in health. And then something comes up and we go, well, all that's negotiable now. <laughs> we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he has prepared for us. And so what is God up to? God is up to making sure that you and I as Christ followers are doing the good works which he prepared in advance for us 
to do. So you and I have the responsibility to determine what the will of God is for our life, for our family, to some extent, even to our church, right? What is God calling us to do? How can we better live out and do the good works that God is calling us to do? Because I think it is important for you to have a plan and to be able to answer the question, what is God up to and what is my purpose here in life? Because too many people wander around aimlessly chasing one thing or another thing. I mean, here's the other thing. Almost as bad as doing nothing is chasing everything. Almost as bad as doing nothing is chasing everything. And as, as pastor, sometimes I see more people are distracted in chasing everything than in doing nothing. That every day they're trying to figure out what the will of God is or trying to figure out if this is the ministry thing or that is the ministry thing. And there's a restlessness about them. And to be honest, they never usually get anything done because they, they never finish anything. They have a great idea or they have a start and that runs out of gas. Why? Because they never really prayed it through and found out if this is exactly what God wants them to do and give the time that the Holy Spirit needs to kind of birth that in our hearts to see it through. So we're constantly chasing this, that, and the other thing. And some of us are making life decisions thinking that this is what God wants us to do, and it may not be. Look, folks, if you're, making, if you're thinking about making some significant decision, that rather than bouncing it off all your friends and seeing what they think, you know where this is going, eh? Would you take some quality time and pray it through? And then after you've prayed it through, think it through, and then pray it through some more, and then see if in that period of time there is, there is a rest and a peace that comes from God, and then bounce it off some friends. Not to green light it for you, because nobody can green light that stuff for you, but just to see if your friends, your godly friends, think, yeah, you know what, that makes sense. They're like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? And rather than get mad at them, if they say, oh my God, what are you doing? Rather than maybe listen to that as another way that the Spirit is speaking to you. Maybe it is a bad idea. A buddy of mine, years ago, smarter than me, by the way, engineer fellow, comes to me and he says, Pastor, uh, my wife and I are thinking of starting a business on the side. And I'm like, oh, we're living in Sudbury. He's an engineer at Inco. He's making good money. This is for, this is for his wife, Kelly. And um, I said, what are you thinking about doing? And he says, we're, we're thinking about opening an ice cream store on LaSalle Boulevard in Sudbury. <laughs> and I'm like, Mike. You know? And you're, you're always careful, right? Because I'm his pastor, but, you know, like, I, he doesn't have to listen to me. And you don't want to offend anybody because those pastors are always concerned about offending you because then you'll leave and go to another church, right? So sometimes we hedge. We hedge. So I'm like, oh, on LaSalle. Not much foot traffic. People would have to like pull in and find a parking spot and you'd have to advertise to let them know that you're there in the first place. And you're going to be spending thousands of dollars in getting ice cream equipment. And by the way, Dairy Queen is alive and well in Sudbury. So I'm thinking, and I'm mildly suggesting, because I you know, don't want to offend him, that this is a really bad idea. But he's a smart guy. He's an engineer, right, Chris? Engineer's a smart guy. 
And Karen and I talked about it a little bit, and I probably did the pastoral thing at home. I probably voiced everything I thought I should to Karen. <laughs> and didn't say nearly enough to Mike. So I helped Mike move all this stuff in and get it all set up. A few of us did, and, you know, God bless Mike. And, you know, about, I don't know, two, three months later, we helped him move it all out again because it was an absolute and complete financial disaster. Because selling ice cream in Subri on LaSalle Boulevard is just a really bad idea. But they felt that maybe God was in this. So... God's got good works for us that he's prepared advance for us to do, but we need to make sure that we're doing the stuff that God wants us to uniquely do in the way that God has gifted us to do those things. God's works have been prepared in the past now for us to do. We were prepared in the past in Christ Jesus to walk in God's good works. This speaks to the preparation and the performance of good works. God has them ready for new creatures in Christ. And through the new birth makes it possible for us to do them and to walk in them. Because we are now spiritually born again. We're new creatures in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, right? Behold, right? You are a new creature in Christ, a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. That's not talking about anything physical. That's talking about a spiritual rebirth. And now that we are born again by the Spirit of God, we are now equipped to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Because apart from being born again and the Spirit of God helping us, we can't do any of those things. Works can't get you there. And if you are not born again by the Spirit of God, you cannot do the works of God that God is calling you to do in the way that you should do them either. You must know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let me wrap it up. You are God's handiwork if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And through the power of the new birth, God has enabled you and me to do all of the things that God wants us to do. We're not called to do everything. We're called to do the things that God has equipped us to do. We're called to pray about it and to think about it. What is God up to? What does God want me to do? having already, through our union with Christ, given, given us the ability to do that. And as God's handiwork, understand this, we are to be active and busy building His kingdom. A lot of this stuff here, as gorgeous as it is, is for display purposes. You and I are not for display purposes. We are not to be hung on a wall, put on a shelf, or tucked in a nice, shiny cabinet. We have a reason for being. A raison d'etre. We have a reason for being. We are here and saved uniquely and wonderfully because of the grace of God. And it is not up to us to say now how we are going to live that life. We are bought, we are bought at a high price the precious blood of the Lamb. We are not our own. We do not belong to ourselves. So it isn't what do I want to do with this life. It's what does God want to do through this life. 
And again, and he may give us the freedom to work here or go to the school there and do this, that, and the other thing. But when it comes to fulfilling the purposes of God for our lives, God is telling us that he's got a plan for us. And it's our responsibility to think about what that plan is and then do the will of God for our life. So do you know the will of God for your life? at least for this part of your life? Have you been praying about it and thinking about it? Do you understand that you've been recreated? You're a a new creature in Christ. You're born again for the purpose of not doing your own thing, but doing God's thing. And then asking yourself this wonderful question, what is God up to? You know how excited you are, and I'll close with this. You know how excited you are when you're planning a trip? And these days, because of the internet, you can go on the websites and you can look at all of the pictures and you can, I mean, basically you can do a 360 on everything that's going on at that resort or in that town or wherever it is that you're heading, the mountaintop, the lake. I mean, you can find out everything that is about it. And we're excited about that because we see ourselves as on an adventure. We're going to be doing something really cool and going somewhere really cool. Uh, Kyle, uh, later in October, uh, him and his wife Kathy are going to the Maldives. It's these islands, they're shoals more than anything, that's off in the Indian Ocean. And uh, they're barely above sea level. And they're going to be staying there. And one of the restaurants that they're going to is actually under the ocean. And, And by the way, it's enclosed. You don't need to scuba mask (laughs) hard to swallow so he showed us all of these pictures right and I've been on the internet I'm like wow that's cool and they're flying through Dubai you know Dubai's got the crazy buildings and everything and I'm like wow that's really exciting it's going to be so cool for him to do all of that all I want to know is what are you people paying at uh, CKLW Marine that they can afford to do that because I can't afford to do that Wouldn't it be great if you looked at your Christian walk like that? What is God up to today? What does God want to do today? What does God want to do through my life today? What does God want to do through my marriage today? I don't know if he's taking it to the Maldives, but some of us are going to the DR pretty soon. Some of you have been to Honduras, and some of you have been to some other places. Look, God, like folks, your life can be as exciting as God wants it to be if you'll let that happen. It doesn't have to be just, you know, I'm God's handiwork, big deal. I'm not doing much of anything anyways. I'm not making a difference anyways. You know what? God's got good works in advance, right? Well, I don't think any of that's really exciting. I'm just kind of like just trudging through this Christian life. What if you looked at it like that God's got stuff for me that I'd be willing to do if I'd just be willing to cooperate and say yes to a few things or to allow myself to be stretched a little bit? Because again, God's got a divine purpose for you and it is not for display purposes. Let's stand and pray.